Welcome to the One New Man Network from Kirtlandry Ministries at House of David, where we learn about the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. The following is a replay of a previous service. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a really big shout tonight. Come on, let's give him praise. I'm so thankful that uh, Pastor Tim uh, was bringing his view and review on Wednesday night. And tonight I'm going to bring review and application of the, during this time of counting down of the Omer. Going to make it very simple going to break down the prophetic and the practical applications of Passover and this is a critical time for you to be able to not only receive that inheritance but the ability to receive a promotion in your faith to believe for God's best and I'm going to be releasing that tonight that's my assignment so we're really excited let's welcome all of those who are in the house and all of those joining us on the online family God bless you come on give them a welcome Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's have all the shofars come down if you would. Thank the Lord. Don't ever take his presence for granted. Let's give the worship team a hand clap as well. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for sharing your gift with us. Hallelujah. Well, I'll tell you, the weather is stirred up in this region. I feel like a cowboy western star. I have to keep my shofar in a holster. I'm sorry, I feel like a warrior Indian, and I have to keep my, my shofar in my bow and arrow case. I don't know if anybody was watching the National Day of Prayer in the Rose Garden, and there it is, in the, right in the big middle of the Rose Garden is Dr. Big Pond. Yeah, favor. Just total favor. Same thing with uh, Pastor Romero Pena. Just favor. And uh, I agree with... Chief Craig Harper, that ever since the uh, embassy was changed at 111, governmental favor has changed tremendously. It's just, it, it's been, it's exciting what's, what's happening. So I want to talk to you tonight. I just really want to, uh, I always feel bad because, you know, like I, I'm, I'm in the water and, and I'm operating, you know, a lot of times when I'm in the water, I... I get prophetic words for a lot of you, and, but I am so in the spirit, I am not focusing on you. You know, for those of you that it, it, it's, it's, you're in another zone, and, uh, and some people I don't get to, and some I do, but I hear, uh, I don't know, not a lot, but people will come and they say, I really need to speak to you. It's this desperate thing. It's like somehow if they speak to me, they're actually going to get some answer that will deliver them and their whole life is going to change. And uh, it doesn't work like that. What I have to say isn't that good. But what the Lord has to say is really good. 
And one of the reasons I don't do counseling is because I'm not any good at it. I'm really not. I've got way too much profit in me. After about five or ten minutes, I've had enough of your story. <laughs> Pastors are good for that. They'll listen for hours. I'm type A. I'm a business person and a rabbi and a prophet. Ten minutes, I've had enough. Because I've already discerned, but you have to realize because of those gifts, I am processing you spiritually, physically, and I'm listening. So there's three channels coming in. I can't take too much more of it. So when I hear, well, when I was five, and I'm going, oh my gosh. Let's see, they're five, they're 60 now, this in a minute. Yeah, maybe by tabernacles we'll be ready to go. The reason I'm sharing this with you is that tonight... We're going to sit down and we're going to visit, and I'm just going to speak to you about what happened at Passover. As if we sat down and we were just going to sit down and discuss it. Is that okay? I don't want to make it sound like, well, he doesn't sit down and, and discuss things with... I have people that I do, but the number is pretty small. And it's just because of the weirdness of how the Lord created me. You're not, you're the normal one. I understand that I'm weird. Okay, I'm good with it. But I'm not trying to offend you. I do. I love and appreciate you and pray for you and sincerely want to see you blessed. But that's why so many of you after the service will go to Pastor Tim because he is a much better counselor. If I need help, that's where I go. But right now, I'm not going to counsel you. I just want to talk to you about what happened. Because to me, this last Passover was the most extraordinary Passover in the 29 years we've been celebrating it. This, this was a mind blower. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss anything that the Lord has done. And there was other Passovers, other places, and people just had complete you know, blowouts there. So it wasn't just us. There's God's doing something during this Passover season between Passover and Pentecost, and I want to make sure that I'm in alignment with it. And, and I want to make sure that I don't miss it. And so we're going to just sit down, so to say, I know we don't have coffee in here because we don't allow it in the sanctuary. But we're just going to sit down and have a cup of coffee in the spirit. And I just want to talk to you. Is that all right? But don't ask any questions because I don't really have time for that. So, <laughs> Passover of our heritage. The heritage has been released. We had Robert Henderson here who was the best court operator that I know in the kingdom. There's a lot. He's my favorite. He released it. He spoke a prophetic word uh, to us about your money has a voice and you got to allow your comp align your what you say and with your money that was powerful. But it's done. The heritage has been released. So to say if we want to say it this way the courts have released it and so now how do you activate and receive it? 
but it's already coming. It's coming. So the first thing I want you to say, say, Lord, I'm expecting. Now, we had two major protocol gifts. We had other things, but obviously we had Pastor Harper at the second Passover with all the First Nations bring the buffalo hide, which is symbolic of prosperity and provision and covenant. But it's also a, a symbolic of time. But for me, it's most symbolic of the flesh. It's provision for your body, soul, your flesh. Okay, and Janet Douglas, she felt led from City Gate, Evansville, Indiana. She comes from what in the apostolic world we call Indiana the first strike state. It's mean it's where, where things start from. Okay, that's where the match is lit. And she felt led, and it's miraculous, and someday I'll have her share with you, but she got us this beautiful David's harp, and she had it made, and, and it says on here, King's David harp, I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, upon an instrument of ten strings, Psalms 144 and 9. Oh. I always look at what shows up at Passover. And this was an interesting Passover because it was the first time we ever had two on either side and they both were on Shabbat and like the first one hit perfectly because you had Passover and then you had Saturday and Sunday resurrection and everything just seemed to fall into place. So as I reviewed for myself, I'm just going to review what I reviewed for myself with you. And I hope that it helps you to process the opportunity that the Lord has given us. Pastor Tim shared, uh, I wasn't here, but he shared Wednesday. But I do know this. This flesh can only really ever be subdued by praising him. And the sooner when that gets uncomfortable, this comes, the more chances you have of being successful. And, and I wasn't going to do this today, and I got a call from my dear friend, and all of you know John Lowry, former state representative from Arkansas, and he said, I love it when you and Pastor Tim share the Passover, because he says, we're here, and so much is going on, and there's so much overload, and... Uh, and it's always good, he said, would, would you feel led to share? And so Pastor Tim shared Wednesday, and I'm going to share tonight. And I said, I did not live stream it or listen to it, so I don't know what Pastor Tim shared on purpose, because I'm just going to bring, and, and maybe there'll be some things new, maybe things reinforced. But uh, the point is, is we all prophesy in part, and we look through a glass dimly. And he, we can all stand on the same mountain and have a different view and a different opinion. I, one of the things I love about House of David is that we're really not religious in the sense that all these people can come from all these different backgrounds and denominations, and they love coming here, and they love you, and I love that about you. I think it's fabulous, and people talk about it. 
I'm so blessed by your love for the people. You know, little Kathy from Taiwan, she came in. She says, all I get to see is through this camera. And she said, I didn't know that I would experience the presence of God and the hand washing and the building was so beautiful and everybody was so, you know, she was just absolutely blown away. That's wonderful. You know, it's kind of like when Christy and I, we went, when they asked us to go and they said, we have some children in school, and they, they asked, if, would you come and bless them at school? They, they pray on whatever day it was, and they would like you to. So they pulled us out of the conference and asked us to go to the school and pray over at Bread of Life Church in Taipei. And so we said, okay. You know, we're wiped out. We've had 875,000 meetings in one week. I know they're watching, so I'm putting, the number keeps growing. But I got to tell you, it was overwhelming to see a thousand children in this sanctuary praying, little tiny ones. It was awesome. That spoke volumes to me. That spoke more to Christy and I than what anything we could have heard about the pastor and his wife, who they're, they're you know, beautiful apostolic leaders. They've been in the same church 50 years. It's, it's amazing. But those children and what I saw there spoke volumes over his, his, his legacy and what he's teaching. Obviously works. It's wonderful. So I'm just going to break it down. The, the scripture the Lord gave me months before this Passover came out of Psalms 37 and 18. And it says, the Lord knows the days of the upright and the blameless and their heritage will abide forever. For the first thing I want you to I, I want us to say is as I reviewed this for myself and I, I'm praying for impartation to you is the Lord knows. That is so important to me. The Lord knows. Because you can get a lot of anxiety and fear and oppression happening in your life because you don't feel like the Lord knows what's happening to you. Your prayer is not motivated to go into the courts to shift the heavens into your favor for release. Your, your prayer is usually desperation to inform the Lord who doesn't see you of what's going on so you can get relief. So you shouldn't pray like that because He knows. He knows. And I love this next verse, uh, next word, because it says the days. And, and for most of you, because there's so many type A's that are in House of David and CLM partnerships and ministries, but he knows our days. We struggle as a ministry with days. We're in a hurry. We know who we are. We know our purpose, our destiny, and we know what we're called to do. But Lord, why does it appear that you are so slow sometimes in what we're trying to do? But that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says He knows our days. 
And the Lord told me as I was reviewing this in Passover, He said, I am removing to those who will accept it the pressure of time. Man, I'm sitting here like this. Let's do it. I don't like the anxiety of time. So, Lord, take it. Lord, you know, you know the days, and when it's delivered, I'm leaving it to you. Why can we do that? Because he has provided for us a table that we can have not just at Passover, but any time. We can go to his table, and the table is for the upright and the blameless, and the upright and the blameless. Why are we so much at peace? Because he knows and he watches over that which he knows. He sees you. He knows you and he knows what time it is. And he knows what to deal with with you and I better than we know what to deal with you and I. And the reason is, is because we're looking at a heritage that has to do with the here and now based off here and now situations. And he is focused on a heritage that he says that abides forever and is eternal. He's laying up character, integrity, and blessings for your millennial reign of a thousand years in the New Jerusalem. And you, for the most part, you and I, we don't care about that. We care about now. And that's why Jesus said, don't worry about the morrow. For the morrow will take care of itself. Because he's thinking in a much bigger dimension. We think in this dimension. What about our flesh? What about our fleshly needs? And Jesus was clear to say, don't worry about this. I will take care of this. While you're worried about this, I want you to do this. If you'll do this, I'll take care of that. And it's so amazing to me because... And it's more amazing for us in this season, I think, for Christy and I, because... In our family, for the first time, the last couple years, um, we're the oldest. That's weird for us. It's weird to be the oldest. I love the story my dad, Grandpa Joe, used to, used to say. His sister's real serious, and Grandpa Joe was not serious. He's a joker, and... So, anyway, their, uh, I think it was their mom or the dad, I can't remember, but my grandpa or grandma died. And so now, Grandpa Joe and his sister are the oldest ones. And they're at the funeral. You know, everyone loves the person that makes the joke at the funeral. Well, that's my dad. So he goes up to his sister and, with a strong New England accent, and he said, well, we're the last ones. Little orphan Joey. And then he had her name. We're orphans now. 
were the last ones. In a minute, you're going to be with them. In a minute, you're going to be with all of them. Just like that. But this can't embrace that. But this can't. It was so special for me in the pool to know that Apostle Jay Swallow and Brian Osball were in the great cloud of witnesses with the Apostle Paul and seeing the release that happened in that water. That's amazing. Most of you don't know all the history of all those tribes and all of us. For all of us to be in that, that, that was a huge miracle. That was intercessors with that overcoming this and to have us all there. And it was real. What happened in that water was real. That was absolutely, I know all the people really well. That was real. Why is God doing this? He's finding us blameless because he wants to release the heritage now that sets us for when we go home. He's setting you up for the lessons that you and I need to learn here for that thousand-year millennial reign in the New Jerusalem. And the bottom line is what he's really doing is through Passover, he's trying to teach us that governmental reign that got so tainted in the garden with Adam and Eve. What happened, I believe, this Passover, is he put a new song and a new heart into everyone that participated. And, and what's he saying? If you look at the table, the new song is looking at this. That that lamb shank is going to provide everything. So if you go to that next slide, that lamb shank has to become predominant. That's your weapon. It's the Zoror. It's out of Isaiah. It's the right arm of the Lord. Your right arm has to be strumming that heart, and your left arm has to be building the wall like Nehemiah. Are you hearing me? Well, regardless of whatever mountain of dominion you go in, you're strumming and you're working, and you need to learn how to do those two together. The egg, you're not going to speed them up and you're not going to slow them down. So stay in alignment with them through the blood of the Lamb. Quit trying to speed things up. Quit trying to validate your own righteousness with works. Let the Lord validate you in due season. And you've got the haroset and the moror, the bitterness and the herbs. And just come to terms with 
that bitter stuff happens, bad stuff happens, good stuff happens, and it's not such a cause and effect in a 12-hour period of time. Oh, I did this and this happened. Quit hyper-analyzing all the stuff and receive and enjoy your goodness. We've had some huge storms come through this area. And it's amazing to watch them and we're praying and blowing shofars and we're communicating, all of us, for all of the partners and all of the members of the house. But it's amazing how this last one went and it went right in between our area, but it didn't come to where any of you live. That's God. Why? Because we go back. Because He knows, He sees, He's watching. But does it mean that we don't pray? No. He wants us to pray, but to pray, Daddy, I know you see, and I know you watch, and you've given me authority, and, but I'm not going to worry about it. It's not going to come near my dwelling. You're in covenant with God now. I have a lot of people that come and they say, well, we want to be under your covering. Well, we can commission you. There are people in this house. You are under our covering because the Lord sent you to us. We have CLM partners that are under our covering, but we are in long-term relationship with you. But you can't just randomly come here and say, oh, I'm called and I can see your anointing and I want to be under your covering. That's not how it works. And that has to do more with the buffalo hide than the harp. You need to be in alignment and you need to be commissioned, but you need to start, you need to sit down and be involved in one place long enough so somebody that is for real in apostolic authority gets to know you enough and they'll invite you under the covering. But we're not going to just put people under the covering that we don't know. And, and yes, we can see you and the Spirit, and we see that you're, and some of you are more powerful than all of us, but doesn't mean you should be under our covering. We, we, it's relationship. And the ones that are under our covering, you don't need a card saying we're under the covering. You know you're under the covering because of the relationship. Because when you get in trouble, you call the office. And, and, and when, when you get in tr into trouble and you call Patty or one of the people in the prayer, then they'll text Christy and Christy tells me and I immediately start to pray. You don't have to talk to me. But I promise you I pray for everyone that, that when, I, when I'm notified. But usually about two days before you get in a situation, I've got you already on prayer because that's how I know you're under my covering because I'm thinking about you. That's the shepherd side. Just because I don't counsel doesn't mean I'm not a shepherd. Counseling's a gift. But I want you to look. This, you sat at this table. You drank from those cups. You're in covenant with God. That's what I'm trying. My point I'm trying to make is you're in covenant with God. Do you understand that? You're in covenant with God. You're in a house where you celebrate the feast three times a year. You're here on Shabbat. You're in covenant with God. 
the God who knows. The God who is protecting and releasing your heritage now and forever. Forever. He knows you. That's Passover. That's when the worship and the person becomes one new person. He knows you. You don't have to put a show on for him. You don't have to act spiritual for him so that he likes you. Like is not important. I know it's hard for you, but I'm actually this way. I have people I don't like, and I cover them, and I love them in the Lord. I see their call. I respect them. But I don't have anything in common with them. So what? We're not called to be friends. I'm called to lead you. And I will do that in the most friendly manner I can. But if I get too friendly, familiarity breeds contempt and you won't listen to me. Well, I know him. I don't want you to know me. I want you to follow me. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me, leaders? Because see, some of these pastors, you waste too much time trying to become friends with everybody in your church. And that's why your church won't grow. If you want your ministry to grow, take your position in leadership and allow those who need that leadership to come and they'll stay. You need somebody who will cover you and equip you and commission you and speak a word to you so that you can do what you're called to do. You don't need me to do it. You can do it because God called you to do it. You should be in covenant to have liberty, but yet in covenant that brings you closer to God. So how do we do that? The first thing we have to do is we have the first cup, and it's the cup of sanctification. When you get married, you need to have a cup of sanctification. You need to make a decision until death do us part, and you need to make a decision at this point in time that when you marry, you're not going to get your own way. You just laid down your own way to be in covenant with this other person. And you're going to have to work it out to where there's some happiness where you're going to have to change some things here and you're going to have to change some things. And there needs to be a development in marriage. It's one plus one equals one. And that is a lifetime project for anybody who gets married. And it's not easy for anybody. People choose to quit. And I know there's exceptions. Don't get weird on me. But my point is, when you choose to ask God to sanctify you, you're asking Him to marry you. And there's just some stuff that's in all of us that when we marry God, it doesn't line up with what He wants in the relationship. And He starts to take it. You know, you can hear God. You know, especially people when they get married when they're older. Well, well, you didn't call me. 
I was worried about you. Well, that person's used to going in and out and running around, do whatever he wants, whatever he or she wants to do it, not used to picking up the phone. Totally unaware, this other one is totally wrecked over here going, he doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't even think, if he was thinking about me, he would have called me because it's so burdening you. But it's not burdening the other person because their habits and patterns is they just do whatever the heck they want and run around and when they get home, they expect you to love on them. And you're mad because you didn't call. And now you got to work that out. Well, guess what? God wants you to call Him. Not just when you need something. He wants you to randomly call Him as you're driving down the road and say, Hey, guess what? How's it going? Well, I just saw this morning, I wanted to tell you that the pelicans are coming in. Really? He's not up there going, I'm so busy. I know the pelicans are coming in. I control the pelicans. That's not how this works. This is like a relationship with a child. He is excited. <gasps> you like the pelicans? Yes, I like it. I love when the pelicans come in. But when I first got reconnected to my dad, he had a wounded pelican that got run over by a boat, couldn't fly. He lived on the intercoastal down in Palm Beach. And here's this old, because they live to be old, here's this old pelican with a broken wing. And my dad was in the fishing business. And every day he'd bring him back bait and hand feed this pelican sitting on the and this was a, just an old, gray, ugly pelican. But he took care of it for like 10 years. So I like pelicans. When they show up at the lake here, I get excited. I think, oh, this is great. Did you hear what I just said? The reason Rabbi likes pelicans is because Grandpa Joe liked pelicans. You see something great, you need to pick up your spiritual phone and say, now if it was Christy, she would say, did you see those rocks on the side of the road? She's never seen a rock that she doesn't like. That's why I don't drive a truck. If so, we'd be stopping and we'd have, we'd have a giant rock pile. She loves... And if she can find a fossil in the rock, oh my gosh, we're going to be there for a long time. She loves rocks. When the Lord separates you from your sin in the sanctification, it's so that you will know him. Say know him. See him. So that you can hear him. The second cup is the cup of plagues. The bottom line with plagues is this. Plagues is all sickness, disease, poverty. Anything that is not in the covenant of the cups is a plague. And what it does is it tries to steal your attention so that you won't focus on the blessing. Plagues try to make God a liar. 
So you need to constantly remind yourself, and you can take communion at home and remind yourself, I am free from these plagues. Here's the biggest thing I want to say to you. Don't let the plagues control your identity or your mind about what you think about God or yourself. The third cup is the cup of redemption. We know this cup. Jesus said, this is the cup. Do this in remembrance of me. We need to always remember that we need to stay connected to our redemption. No entitlement. Nobody owes you anything. Entitlement is so destructive. Nobody owes you anything. Jesus paid it all. That's the redemptive act. And it's the wages of sin is death. And if he paid for it, are you going to walk in it by faith? You either choose to believe in redemption or you don't believe in redemption. And then you sin by trying to fix stuff yourself. That's why the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I remember when we first got saved in the 90s, Hosanna Music had one of those songs, and it was very militant and very strong. And I loved it because it used to build my faith. And, uh, and, and I remember I used to get back then, I, we lived in Wenatchee, and, and uh, we had all these forests and these hills behind our house. We could go into the National Forest and with Jeeps or dirt bikes. But I can remember just driving through the woods in the beautiful forest with my Jeep and I had the boom box and these big speakers in there and I could just be going through and I'd be singing as loud as I can, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And it says, because he has redeemed with his mighty hand. And you just start saying it and you can feel it. It just starts to build and it starts to build in you and it starts to build. What is that? That's redemption. The buffalo hide needs to hear the harp say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Instead of entertaining the symptoms that are real, and the sorrows that are real. The fact that he knows you, chose you, calls you blameless, sees you, and is giving you a inheritance forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You're going to be so glad when you cross over to find out that you made it. And I think we're all going to be very surprised how great it is. I think it's going to be amazing. How amazing it's going to be to live life free from this vessel with all the aches and pains and all the stuff 
I mean, I praise God for these bodies. They're great. But compared to what will be in the heaven, woo! It's going to be powerful. And we're redeemed. And praise God, we're not going to hell. Passover, we're in covenant for redemption. And you need to remind your atmosphere all around you every day that you're the redeemed of the Lord and you say so. Who cares if you don't have that perfect situation? He is worthy of all praise. You're going through some tough times. Say, Lord, I, I trust you. You trust me to play this harp in my heart over this flesh in this situation. And, and I'm honored to do it. it it's, it's kind of like, it's not like this, but it's kind of like God standing here and Satan standing here and looking at it. And you're sitting there praising the Lord with the worst that Satan can throw at you. And God's just looking over at him going, I told you. <laughs> yeah, I told you. Yeah, I told you. What can you do with that? Yeah, look at that. <laughs> He's just laughing at him. There's a lot of people watching your testimony. But there's a lot of demons watching your testimony. And we need to live as the redeemed of the Lord. And let them say so. Amen. The fourth cup is a cup of praise. All of us know people like this. All of us know somebody that has. Maybe not like extraordinary wealth, but has everything they need. They don't need money. Everything's paid for. And some of them are the most miserable, sad, lonely people. And you wouldn't trade your life. You may be in that month to month having to choose how you buy your groceries based off how much you have whether you go out to eat or stay home. And here's this person with absolutely no lack, and here you are full of joy, and they're sad. Because, see, unless you're giving away your blessings, you can't be happy. That's why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. The key to praise is if you're going to preserve your inheritance, you need to preserve your health. And if you're going to preserve your health, you need to do it with a heart of praise. As I'm in the pool and I'm looking around and I see all the intercessors, and there's a couple that's here that are intercessors and they can't get in the water because of some issues. And they are there both times, interceding, praying, talking to each other. I mean, they're as effective as if they were in the water. They are engaged. Why? Because what makes their spirit 
Flow is to give. It's not to get. The Lord's going to take care of you. It's great that we have an opportunity to give, but we need to have our mind, our flesh needs to be focused on giving. The fourth cup, I believe, that when we go home to be with the Lord, He'll be holding that cup. And I pray to God that we all hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? The nine blessings of Passover. I would memorize them. I keep them on my desk. I put God in the remembrance of my word. When I get notified that something's not going the way it should, I go into the courts. I don't have to call anybody else. I'm known in the courts. So are you. The only difference is I know I'm known in the courts. And I go in and I quote one of the nine blessings that's applicable to the situation. And then that's it. I get out. The whole event maybe takes two minutes. So don't tell me you don't have time to pray. No, you don't have time to pray based off some what you think is prayer. I'm talking about stopping it. I'm not talking about intercession, going into breaking a family uh, iniquitous structure or deliverance type prayer. I'm talking about every day when your promise is being attacked, how to get it stopped immediately. You just go into the courts. So I'm going to review these nine and then we're going to close and seal this Passover in our hearts. Amen. Amen. The first one is uh, verse 20. It says, Behold, I send an angel. At Passover, the Lord sends an angel, not angels, an angel. One. He sends that one angel. <clears throat> to each and every one of us who puts our feet under the Lord's table. And that angel has one job. There's multitudes of angels. There's healing angels. There's messenger angels. There's warring angels. There, there's all sorts of different assignments. But this angel's job, after you leave the Passover table, is to keep you in the way. He will stand accountable to the Lord for keeping you on the path, staying blameless. His assignment is to bring you into a place that I have prepared. His job is to hearken on to what you go into the courts. You go into the courts and you say, Father God, I'm in the mercy court, in the mercy court, now, you can get all this on our teaching, but you go into that mercy court, and I'm talking to people who know what I'm talking about, and the book says this about my destiny, and I put a demand on that word that is written in my destiny and my purpose, and I give it to this angel to guide me to walk in that path. That's its job. It has no other job but to keep you on the path of your purpose. Is this helping anyone? 
Then we all declare, and we can do it right now. Say, I decree, I decree. And, declare and declare that you will have divine protection over all your family and business affairs. Now, the second one in verse 22 says, but if you indeed obey, it's if. You have to make a choice that you're going to follow after God and invest the time to pray and to talk to him. That's why I was saying you might as well talk to him about the seagulls and be in conversation on a regular basis versus having to come with some major thing. Well, I'm here now. He wants relationship. He is never going to wear out. You're not going to talk to him too much. He's not like rabbi. Praise God. But if you obey his voice, and here's the key, do all. Look at your neighbor and say, do all. You have to do what God is telling you to do. That's the whole purpose of the offering. The whole purpose of offerings is that you will do what God's called you to do. And it's a small thing. You're only given money. You can get more money. But when God asks for your time, well, I would really rather go to this than to do that. You're not going to get that time back. But God wants your time. He wants your money. He wants your life. He paid for you. And if you choose that, then the bonus is, if you call now and you obey my voice and do all that I ask you to do, say what I tell you to say, guess what? We're excited for you because your enemies will become my enemies and your adversaries become your adversaries. And I will take care of all the protection that you need. Call now and obey. That's 1-800-332-FREE-FROM-FEAR. So guess what happens to people who don't obey and don't do and don't speak? They're your enemies, not his. That's a covenant statement. As T.L. Osborne taught us, you do the small thing, he does the big thing. And don't say, well, we did those nine blessings and we gave and it didn't work. Yeah, because you gave and believe, but you don't obey. And when you don't obey and the enemies of the disobedience are beating the tar out of you. See, disobedience increases warfare. Just like strict obedience creates warfare, the only difference is you win. Disobedience creates warfare and you lose. So you have to make a decision at some place that God chose you, make peace with the call, live according to the call, do what he tells you what to do, and trust him. It's, life is very short. You're not going to be here too long. You might as well go ahead and obey and enjoy it. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, or do according to their works. But you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. 
come out of agreement with the habits and patterns, people and places that are taking you off your path. Is this helping anyone? We're just talking. Find the things that are getting you off track. Don't go out and make a list and then Monday go out and I say, okay, I'm, no, just slowly, I'm not doing this anymore. Okay? Don't be drastic. You know sugar's bad for you. Everyone knows that. So just slowly back out of it. But you're at the grandchild's birthday party and they have cake and gelato. Dive in. <laughs> Hello? You have to live here. Some of the things I'm eating, I'll eat and I'll say, I know this is going to cost me a day on the backside. And realistically, I'd give a week because it's so good. <laughs> Who cares about that last week? Are you going to live or not? That's what this is about. You can still enjoy God worshiping God and not worshiping the idols of this world. Enjoy God's way. Enjoy Yahweh. Enjoy what God has given you. You don't need to subsidize it with the world. You live in the world. And I can't tell you how to do this, but you need to know how to have a balance in the world so that you can work with the world so that you can reach them. you got to figure out there's too many dynamics in all that. I don't know all your family backgrounds and, and you know, some of you come from you know, this background. I, I can't go into all that, but you need to find what works for you to reach the audience that God has put you in to what you carry to bring it to them so they can get free and start being part of the kingdom. And I can tell you for sure the way I do it, you can't do it and vice versa. I went to a conference, and, uh, and I went with Chief Harper and Pastor Tim. And, th and this was an agricultural thing, and I wanted to go there because I'm into land, okay? I'm obviously not a farmer. Anybody ever seen me around livestock, any kind of equipment, that's not where I come from. So I'm there, and I'm watching the two men, how they interact and it's amazing how all the other people at the conference know how to interact with Pastor Tim and Chief Craig because they're into it and they know about it. But no one was really interested in the rabbi. This was one of those areas where no one, and I know celebrity, no, I'm just there like, hey, how you doing? I smell like I'm from L.A., I'm totally city. They want nothing to do with me. But the other two, they're like, oh, yeah, ooh, uh, ooh, yeah, yeah, schmoozing. Be who you are. I praise God that I've been with Tim Osball all these years, and he has never tried to become me or vice versa. 
It's quite amazing. We've learned from each other. We've grown from each other. But in all these years, we're still who God called us to be. Be the best you you can be. And be at peace with it. Love you. You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. You need to love yourself. Celebrate yourself. Quit trying to change you all the time. Well, I'm going to feel better when I get to this weight. You're missing it. There's more to love of you right now. I'm not saying don't take care of yourself. I'm saying don't self-condemn because of what culture says. You're beautiful. God loves you. You are powerful. He chose you. You are filled with the Holy Ghost. He invited you to his Passover table. You slid your feet up under the table, and he gave you nine blessings to cause you to prosper and to shake and change the world. He gave you his heart for the nations. Say, I decree and declare that you will be commissioned this year to walk in divine authority. You need to be really focused on this is a year of increased authority. And increased authority comes with increased favor. So that means he's going to bring new people into your life that you've not been around and let them recognize you. You don't have to go up and tell them who you are. If they don't get it in the spirit, they're not going to get it anyway. Don't sell yourself. You don't have to sell yourself. Be you and the people who are spiritual that are really called will see you saved and not saved. They'll be just attracted to you. And there's some people that your spirit will just offend them. They're evil. They're never going to change. Don't worry about them. You worry about who the Lord brings into your path. Is this helping anyone? Verse 25 says, So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take all sickness away from you, from the midst of you. Receive healing. Receive supernatural healing. You make a choice to receive it. Quit doing the percentages. Well, this many get healed, and this many don't get healed. This many gets, have supernatural miracles. This many people get a healing, but not a, drop all that. That's just a distraction. That's not what God says. God says that he will heal you supernaturally. Your job is to believe it. Say, I believe it. I'm not talking about denying your symptoms. I'm not saying, oh, don't speak it out because if you speak it out, you know. I know that the power of life and death is in the tongue. But what I'm talking about is you chose when you put your feet under the table to get a new identity, and your identity needs to be, excuse me as I choke, I am the healed of the Lord. 
even though allergies affect me living in this part of the world. But I'm the heel of the Lord. My identity is as I'm the heel of the Lord. I'm choosing to be I'm the healed of the Lord. I am supernaturally healed of the Lord. I'm believing this year I have some things physically in my body and I believe that I'm going to be supernaturally healed of the Lord this year. You can come in agreement, it'd be great, but even if you don't, I'm believing it. I believe that I'm going to wake up one morning and I'm going to be supernaturally healed of the Lord. I really believe it. I don't know why this year, but this year I believe it. I want you to believe it. I want you to believe that the Lord is going to promote you, bless you, and you're going to have more joy and more appreciation for the Lord than any other time. As they get ready to close, it says, uh, No one shall suffer miscarriage or barrenness in their land, but will fulfill the number of his days. Say, I decree and declare that you are free from all satanic witchcraft, false decrees, covenants, curses, hexes, and all bail structures and curses that lead to abortion of spiritual assignment. My assignments are safe and are covered in the blood of Jesus. I love this one. It says, I will send my fear before you and cause confusion amongst all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their back. It's respect and honor. When you call into the call center here, you need to respect and honor those prayer ministers. And you need to be respectful of their time. This isn't social. And I know some of you are lonely and you want to call and you want to visit. But you really need to spend the time that the partners are paying the staff to pray with you. They're not here as volunteers. There's some volunteers. But most of them are paid to pray with you. And you need to respect God's time and their time and honor them and respect them because they are speaking life over your life. And if you'll do that, you'll get more from the prayer time and less because you respect and honor them. And the Lord says that he's going to release the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom within you. And I decree that all your enemies will respect the Lord in you and that they shall not touch the Lord's anointed. You need to own that. You need to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I am the Lord's anointed, and you're the Lord's anointed, and the enemy cannot touch the Lord's anointed. Verse 28 says, he'll send hornets before us, and they shall drive out the Havites, Canaanites, Hittites before you. Know that right now, the Lord is removing your enemies. Right now. Don't get too big of a hurry because he's in the process of doing that since last week. Let him, let him do his job. Why not wait a little bit and spiritually walk out on some dry land? Okay? 
Say, I decree and declare that warring angels, the heavenly host of Zion, will be released from heaven to do spiritual warfare on my behalf this year. And here's probably one of the keys right here. He says, little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. We have to be patient with the increase. And, you, and, and I'm, try, I'm sharing with you tonight from we're talking. I reviewed the Passover notes. This is me talking to the Lord about me. So I'm not trying to make this about me, but I'm, that's where we're at with this conversation. I associated being impatient with rejection because of my past. If things didn't happen, I figured, well, God's going to do it for somebody else, and I would see it happening for somebody else and not me, and I immediately would process it through an orphan spirit and impatience, and God's not going to do it for me. It had nothing to do with that. It had to do with the character issues that belonged to me with how much he was going to trust me. And so for me in ministry, what it was is I watched him go with this pastor, and this pastor, Pastor A, he was going to do it with him, and he was going to trust him with, with a responsibility of assignment of $100,000. And his would come first. And I'd sit back and go, wow, what the heck is this? Look at this. I'm over here. I've been praying. I'm like, and like this. And then here comes Pastor B, and Pastor B comes, and he's over here, and he gets his over here, and, and his it, you know, is, is for a million dollars. And, and then, you know, I'm sitting there going, wow. And I'm over here and nothing's happening for me. And then the Lord says in 2004, and guess what? I'm trusting you with the ship going into Israel. And the reason you had to wait so long is because I needed your character to be seven weeks in Israel dealing with, at that time, some people that everyone knows. And yours is going to be $24 million. Well, this took a little bit more character than B and A. And they never had the seven weeks of fight that we had in Israel, are you hearing me, with Israeli government officials. But that's what I was called to do. But you need to realize is that during all this time, I am processing through an orphan spirit in 2004 going, you like A better than me, you like B better than me, and I'm out here and you're never going to do this for me. But that's not how I think anymore. What I realize now is what he's asked me to do is a different size than what he's asked you. And I trust him as the high priest of the sanctuary to do what he has to do in time. And he knows how to tighten the leash. And I'm not worried about missing it anymore. Because I don't process delay as, as rejection. You're not being rejected. You're being protected from yourself. Say, I decree and declare the release of my ability to perceive and receive my dominion with my inheritance this year. So we're going to go ahead and close. I'll have the worship team come up if they would, please. And... Um, When the hour had come, 
and the hour's here. I want you just to close your eyes and receive this from, from the Lord for yourself. Those of you at home too, just close your eyes if you would. When the hour had come, he sat down with the 12 apostles with him. And Jesus said this to him. With fervent desire, I desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of heaven. And then he took the cup, gave thanks, and said, This, take this, divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of heaven comes. He took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which I have given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Say, Lord, I'll never forget. You chose me. My identity is in you. My purpose is in you. My life is in you. I receive my heritage and my inheritance. It says, likewise, he took the cup after the supper and saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood that is shed for you. If you would, please. Father God, I'm honored, humbled, and blessed that you would shed your blood for me. That my sins have been expunged. And you call me a son or a daughter of the king. I am humbled that you call me a king and a priest. And you've empowered me supernaturally in this hour to shake the nations. So Lord, I shake off all doubt and unbelief that is contrary to every prophetic decree that I made at Passover. I decree and declare in your heavenly courts, let it be recorded tonight that every promise is yes and amen. And I symbolically receive the sure mercies of David, the heart of David, into my flesh, into my body, soul, and spirit. I am a new creation, and all things have been made new. your time don't let any thought or any person steal your moment this is your time 
Don't be in a hurry. Be in praise. The Lord will bless you. The Lord will keep you. The Lord will make his face to shine upon you. And he will be gracious to you. The Lord will lift up his countenance to you. And he will establish you in shalom. And he will put your name upon, your, upon the children of Israel. And he will bless them. Say, I receive his blessing. I am a king and priest. I seal it. Every promise and decree that was carried in both Passovers are recorded in my book. And I receive it. And I am receiving my heritage tonight. In Yeshua's name. Praise the Lord. So we're going to go out in, in praise. We do want to thank all of you for your Passover offerings. This was your most generous year. So let's give the Lord a hand clap. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. And we'll be increasing all that we do because of you. You're the heroes in the house. And we love you and we honor you. And I pray, I hope this blunt presentation of what I shared, what it meant to me, has helped you. And I hope that it feathered and paralleled into Pastor Tim's. And uh, I'm sure that it did. And uh, between the two of us, I hope you glean something that will help you. But don't be afraid to glean your own revelation and your own truth. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you and you're smart. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm smart. And I'm anointed. God bless you. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to this message from the One New Man Network. For more information, please visit us at theonenewman.com.